This week on the Avershawn Podcast, it is Dallas week in the PLL. Chris and I give our picks, our opinions, and I go into yet another rant about how much I hate the new shot clock rules. Let's get right on into it. everyone to another episode of the average podcast chris is back with me uh, as usual the pll is back into its regular season we are on the back nine of the regular season to use a golf term given that the uh the british open just completed uh i think a week or two ago give or take yeah week week ago sure. uh <laughs> yeah but we're we're back uh the league is in dallas this weekend uh they're going to be at the cowboys practice facility uh, I will never give the Cowboys any credit for anything and not mention about how they have a really nice practice facility because I just I can't give Jerry Jones any credit for anything ever because they're the Cowboys. Uh, so you'll never hear me say that they have a really nice practice facility. Uh, that would be a great venue for lacrosse games. Uh, so first up on the docket, we have Atlas versus Chrome. Uh, Atlas are currently the uh, actual underdogs uh at minus 115 on the money line chrome are the favorites at minus 105 um i'm sorry i have that backwards atlas are the favorites uh because for whatever reason when i was looking at the handicaps they decided to list this in flipped order uh chrome are plus one and a half atlas are minus one and a half the over is set at 24 and a half uh chris what do you have for this game oh well, I'd say that this is a big game um, to mainly try to – one of these teams has to win and jumpstart the second half. And they're currently – I know they're in a three-way tie with Whip Snakes, but this is – you know, these are the cellar dwellers. Um, Chrome offense has not been looking too hot. Um, I know when, when you said that Atlas were uh, underdogs, I was like, hold on a second, because I have Atlas winning this game, um, and I have them uh, – Hold on, I just want to make sure I got this right. Um, hold on, I'm looking at the wrong game. Holy shit, sorry. We're talking about Atlas, and I had the Whip Snakes game up. Um, I have Atlas winning, taking the over of 24 and a half. Um, it's funny because, you know, we've talked about the new rules and the the, sh- the shot clock, and safe to say this is like the face-off showcase of the year, right? You would think that, right? However, uh, this is my sign that you have not looked at the rosters for the weekend. Uh, no, Sean. I don't have time to uh, hawk on Twitter. Hey, listen. Summer school's over as of today, so I got time. Who, who's out? Baptiste or Farrell? Farrell. The Chrome, uh-huh. the Chrome are not dressing him. Wow. He is a healthy scratch. They are going with the prevent defense offense. Defense offense, whatever you want to call it um option that's the word i meant to say and they're essentially seeding the fact that they know it's trevor baptiste and they know they're going to lose a majority of the face-offs so they're banking on the fact that the atlas uh will not be able to run good enough offense for uh trevor scooping it up with only 32 seconds left well so what's your what are your thoughts on that and i know that that you hate the rules change and whatnot or at least what the the teams are pivoting because i get that they have baptiste but farrell is also a very good face-off guy. 
I believe he is currently fourth in the league in uh, faceoff win percentage behind uh, Trevor Baptiste, Mike Sisselberger, and TD Erland. Uh, PLL my, people, you need my, to hire this man. This dude's got fucking stats memorized <laughs> out the wazoo. Uh, like I said, I got time to spend on Twitter. Uh, but the only the only commentary I can bring to this is just I, I can't talk about the game because it, all it does is make me just want to talk about how much I hate this stupid rule because it, it should not it should not be a viable option for a team to actively choose to say you know we're going to play prevent and give up possession to you we don't want the ball to start that is what these teams are saying we don't want the ball to start the possession that's not a good product the only time that's a good product is when you're playing football and you're saying hey we we want them to kick off in the first half because you don't have face-offs and that sort of thing it's just a kickoff but imagine like any basketball team ever Saying, you know, you guys, you can get the opening tip. We really don't care. And they, like, instead of like even jumping for the ball, they just back off because that's essentially what these teams are doing. And it's disgusting. It's terrible to watch. It's a bad product. They know that these teams are putting out rushed offensive sets. They're not able to settle into things and actually look cohesive as a unit. You can barely get your substitutes on in time. And even if you do what a lot of announcers are suggesting, and put like two offensive middies on your wings to go right into your offense, you're still going to have a pole or like a defensive midi uh, that is just absolutely harassing Trevor Baptiste until he gets rid of the ball. So it, it's you're still shortening the clock because if that pole does a good enough job of harassing Baptiste, he's either got to get a rushed shot off or he's going to take a few seconds to get the ball to somebody on offense and then how much are you really practicing five on five? Like, unless unless these teams are really saying, hey, we're just going to bury Trevor in a corner and let our offense play 5v5, which is doable, but it's still hard to be like, okay, Trevor got us the ball. Now Trevor will clear out. It takes a lot of time. So this, this rule change is hot garbage. I hate it. And the fact that Chrome are now joining the list of teams who aren't dressing a face-off guy really annoys the piss out of me. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, how do you think uh, Colin Farrell feels about it? I mean, Colin Farrell's got to see the writing on the wall. It, so, like, like, guys like him, how do – with the, the league trending this direction, what how do they transition their own game, especially considering that that's been their craft their entire career? Or are they just basically out of luck? Honestly, I would try to get all your teammates who are your friends to like go on strike until they change the rules back because it, it was well, happening. I, I'm aware of that, but hey, there is a writer's strike going out in LA. Maybe it inspires them to get together and do that. Who knows? The, the point of it is, it's just, it's such a disgusting, it, it's made the product worse. And people can say, like, you know, oh, well, if, if Trevor Baptiste is winning 70% of possessions, and you know the shot clock's at 52 like well atlas are just gonna you know hold on to the ball a lot more and they're gonna get a lot more opportunities well cool guess what now they're getting more opportunities anyway because he's still winning more face-offs you're just watching bad offense for 30 seconds so you're essentially sitting there making your own eyes bleed watching terrible offense just so the other team can have a shot like what what happened to the hey if you don't want this other team to keep beating you figure out how to stop them. Do like, do we just have a whole like 
litany of people out in this world who have never played winners in hoops. If you don't want the guy to keep the ball, stop him. That's how it goes. Like just, it is a worse product because you are watching a team literally punt on getting possession right from the start. It's embarrassing. Do you think the league does anything to change it? I would certainly hope so. Uh, I was talking with one guy who's a little bit more in tune with the lacrosse world than I am. Uh, and I think that he is of the mindset that the Rables will realize that it's better for the product, uh, better for the TV viewing product if they revert things back. And I have even said before, if off, if on the opening faceoff, you want to cut it down to 42 seconds and see how that goes, I could be on board because that's still – 20 seconds was a huge chunk, chunk of time to take off the shot clock. But 42 seconds, at least I could sit there and say, you guys still have plenty of time to get your subs on off the faceoff and settle into a solid offensive set and not feel so rushed. So if they want to bounce, like give back 10 seconds onto the clock instead of giving back the full 20, I, you know, I would be okay with that. I don't, I, I think honestly, because they made the change, they'll probably be too stubborn to admit that it was a huge mistake and go back to 52. So I'm kind of like trying to give myself a little bit of copium with saying that they're going to go back to this in right. some way, maybe not fully, but at least 50%. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with that said, I'm going Atlas here, and I would like to think that a guy like Baptiste and just that the way that their offense flows um, will be trying to prove something and will possibly have a strategy even with winning, we'll say 99% of the faceoffs, uh, figuring out a way to keep Chrome off the board um, or at least with a lower score total. Um, with that said though, uh, well, do you want to just dive right in the props on this? Well, I'm going to jump into what I'm picking for this game because my pick for this game is, I don't know, just take the under, um, the, we're running into two units right now that are an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And that is the Atlas's God awful defense meeting up with Chrome's God awful offense. Um, first of all, hot seat Brett Makar, who was drafted third overall, uh, just got bumped to LSM behind Kobe Smith. And I say behind Kobe Smith because Towson. Towson. Uh, but Michael Rexroad got moved down to the close defense. Uh, so they're trying to adjust that. But another reason to say that the 32 sh uh, second shot clock uh, is awful is because if you've been watching Chrome, who have been winning a, a good chunk of their faceoffs this year, uh, their offense within that time frame has been absolutely putrid to watch. Uh, so assuming that they are getting a lot more turnovers off shot clock violations in this game, I don't know what they're going to look like, but the vibes for this team seem to have been completely jacked up as soon as uh, they their coach didn't let uh, Dylan Malloy come back right away after missing a game for a wedding, uh, which it seems to have messed everything up. They Their lineup has been completely inconsistent. Uh, Brendan Nickturn is back out this week as well. Um, Dylan Malloy isn't even listed. Uh, it's it's so hard to figure out what to do with this game because Atlas haven't been particularly consistent. Uh, their offense hasn't looked as good as it's supposed to all year. Um, Romar Dennis wasn't the or hasn't been the uh, the boss that he has been. 
or at least he was during their uh, championship series. So again, kind of shows the difference between field and sixes and how we should stop going towards sixes. That's just my thought. Um, I, I have no pick for the winner because I think this is going to be a disgusting game, but I'm still going to watch all the way through. Uh, but give me the under 24 and a half. I think the fact that this is a 24 and a half and not a 23 and a half, as we have seen some games, because they don't change the lines between anything else. You could set this game at 22 and a half. I'd still comfortably say take the under. Mm. I think it, I think it's just going to be a disgusting game. Mm. See, that's interesting because one of my uh, one of my picks is taking uh, Wisnowskis over three and a half. I mean, I could see it. Like I said, the uh, the Atlas defense has been putrid all season, so I don't see any reason to think somebody couldn't score on them. It's just the Chrome offense has been that disjointed all season. So I don't know. I, I, just, don't, I just don't have faith in either of these two teams. There's a reason why they're the two bottom dwellers. You have to think that that, that offense hopefully gets jump-started um, for the second half in some capacity, though, just given the, the talent that Atlas has. I mean, sorry, Chrome has. Um, also, I mean, Wisnowski's had, granted, I know it was the all-star game, but had a good showing. And so maybe he's got some mojo going back there. So setting his total points at three and a half, I feel like that's an easy over. God, I, I would hope so. Just because Wisnowski is a Maryland guy. And he's uh, proven to be an absolute beast. Just we haven't seen it much this year. It, you know, honestly, the more I think about this game, the more it angers me because it just makes me think about the shot clock thing even more. Uh, so let's just move on to the next game, which has uh. a, which has another team. But sorry, do you, do you want to give out another prop? No, I was going to say in, right into another controversy, right with cannons. Yes, uh, another team that is punting on the uh, the faceoff thing. However, when they do get their ball back on offense, their offense actually looks like a thing of beauty uh, right now, and that's cannons against redwoods. However. The Cannons are three and two. And who are those three wins against? Two of them are against Chrome. One of them are against Atlas, who are currently playing in the dog shit bowl in the game prior to them. So I don't know how much of that is a false bill of goods because they're playing two god-awful teams. Or if they're actually that good. I don't know. Uh, Redwoods are coming off an absolutely piss-poor showing against uh, Archers, where they only put up three goals. That game, speaking of, just rough to watch. That was a rough watch uh i think atlas scored like their third goal maybe two minutes into the second quarter and then didn't score again for the rest of the game that was a tough watch um so they need to bounce back cannons have a lot of momentum uh they're going up against a team that until redwoods ran up against the archers a lot of people were pegging as the favorites for the title uh so this is our first chance to see cannons against a a real kind of like show me what you got opponent uh, after they've built a little bit of momentum. Uh, the over on this game is also set at 24 and a half, which I think is actually appropriate for this game, unlike the last one. Uh, these teams are evenly matched on the money line, both at minus 110. Uh, however, Cannons uh, are favored on the handicap minus one and a half. Redwoods are plus one and a half. Uh, so as usual, what you got for this one? I mean, it, so it's, it seems like these two teams are trending in opposite directions, um, like you said right before the, the break. Um, I think uh, going with the the theme of last weekend being that it was the All-Star game, I think Garnsey, man, he's just like a – he's fun to watch, 
right? I mean, he's an offensive juggernaut. He can he never scores the same goal twice, it seems, right? He always finds different ways to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, with that said, though, I feel like Cannons are a deeper team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much face-offs are actually going to impact this game. It's hard to say. Um, and in net, I mean – I, I would like to think that Kelly has the, the upper hand if Kelly's playing. Do we know? Yeah, uh, Kelly's playing, as far as I know. I, I haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise. Uh, he's listed on the starting lineup. Uh, there's no reason to think that Trotner would take over him with how well Kelly's been playing lately. Because I mean, e- even though like the, the Redwoods game against Archers was a tough watch, it's not like Archers blew them out. Like Kelly was standing on his head in the cage. The offense just couldn't get anything going. Well, and so with that, I, I feel like Redwoods reminds me of like 2008 through 2012 Capitals, where it was like the entire offense runs solely through Ovechkin. The offense basically runs through Garnsey and I guess Pinnell, you could say, but like yeah. prim- it, it revolves around Garnsey and you shut him down and, you know, they, they there's now a blueprint to do that, Pro- you know, props to your uh, – your archers and I feel like cannons are more equipped just because of their overall depth top to bottom. Um, so I'm taking cannons in this. So I, I do like cannons in this game. We're going to agree on that one. Um, I, I feel like I should be a little bit more hesitant with them because this seems like an obvious bounce back spot for redwoods. Uh, and it seems like we're possibly running into a little bit of fool's gold with cannons, as I've already mentioned. Uh, but Colin Kirst has been really good in goal. Uh, I, I was surprised to see them uh, go with him over at Adam Gittleman, just because I'm so used to seeing Adam Gittleman as a starter in whatever league he's playing in. Uh, but Kirst has been really good, and I would say better than uh, what Gittleman was to start the season. I think they have definitely improved defensively overall, and I think that the offense has really started to like find its way to flow. Um, really what I'm, what I'm interested in, is we're we're essentially watching the the matchup of the two MVP favorites for the season because we've got uh, Ryder Garnsey, who you mentioned, uh, is just a, a tour de force of SportsCenter top ten plays. But then you've also got Marcus Holman, who is just putting up points after points after points, and seeming to be having an absolute blast playing for his dad. Uh, so I'm gonna ride the cannons with this one just because I, I think. In an eight-team league, even if you're playing two teams that are really bad, if you get the chance to kind of get some mojo and some momentum flowing your direction, I think that's going to work out well for you. And I think that Redwoods are going through a transition period because if you look at their roster, Miles Jones is is a reserve. Miles Jones has never been a reserve. He's never been not a top-line midi in this league. That's a huge shift. And they also moved Sergio Perkovic, who, as we discovered, doesn't have a single point on the season. They moved him to short stick D midi. So maybe they're trying to get him in the transition game a little bit more. I don't know. But they're clearly, you know, still trying to piece together this puzzle. And their last outing was a showing that they are still struggling to figure out all the fine details when they go up against one of the upper echelon teams. So, you know... I know that I said this is going to be the Cannons' first kind of show-me game, but this is also a show-me game for the Redwoods because if they lose this one, I'm going to start looking at them going, are you guys, like, you're not Chrome or Atlas, but are you one of the bottom four? 
Because that, that could be very plausible, despite how good of a season Garnsey and Pinnell are both having. Uh, so I'm going to take the Cannons. I would probably take Redwoods to cover the spread. Uh, I, I do think this will be a one-goal game. Uh, I, I think the Cannons will be facing a much better defense than they have against their last three games, two opponents, because uh, they played Chrome two out of those three. Uh, so I think that'll slow down the offense a little bit. I also do think that Jack Kelly is uh, playing really, really well in the cage, which will help out, uh, keep some of the points out. I am going to take uh, Marcus Holman's uh, point total prop, which is over four and a half, which seems ridiculous, but it's plus 144. So put a little bit of sprinkle on that, get a good return if he hits it. And like I said, he's just been putting up points after points and he has been feasting off Asher Nolting, drawing dodges and getting the like the attention of the defense away from him and just spotting up and just hammering corners. Mm. So that that's a prop that I absolutely love for this game. You know what's weird? I never realized that Holman went to Gilman and like we have a bunch of mutual friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Holman went to Gilman and then he played at Carolina. Uh, yeah. I think when he was at Gilman, I want to say he also played for his dad there. Uh, I believe so. Just, uh, you know, doing a open, I guess I'm publicly putting it out there that I did some Facebook stalking while you were oh, well. giving him some props. I'm like, oh man, I've definitely crossed paths with this dude and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, probably. Small world. I mean, he, he's every time that you hear him talk, he seems like a good dude too. So it's not like he would, you know, you would cross paths pass with him and be like, uh, that guy. So, <laughs> that so guy. yeah. Even though he went to Gilman and you went to Curly. Uh, yeah. I mean, two <laughs> different. They're, they're a conference, everything. Curly's only half a conference. No comment. Must resist. All right. Sorry, Baltimore private school stuff. Next, next game. Uh, this is listed as the game of the week, uh, per TV slots because it's on ABC and ESPN plus. Uh, and it is also just the game of the weekend in general. Because it is Water Dogs against Archers. Uh, it is the top two teams in the league. We see if Archers, once again, are they for real? Uh, and then we see Water Dogs, are they for real? Uh, you know, who, who is the true top dog, no pun intended, uh, of the PLL right now? And the only downside to this before we get into like bets and all that, Dylan Ward, congrats on the sex. Uh, he is out on paternity leave. Fantastic for him. Love it. Awful, awful timing as a fan, but that's obviously not nearly as important as welcoming in a child. So um, it's just one of those like, oh, darn. Um, obviously, what he's doing is so much more important than anything I could ever want to do uh, involving this game or like betting and all that. But it would have been so much fun to see him going up against Brett Dobson. However, if these two should meet again later in the playoffs, it does set up a little bit of a, well, you know, the Water Dogs didn't have Ward last time. So there's still storylines that could come out of this. Um, but we have Water Dogs as the only plus money underdog on the money line this weekend. They're at plus 104. Archers are at minus 128. Uh, as one might imagine, Archers are favored by, uh, by one and a half. Water Dogs plus one and a half. The total is set at 24 and a half. And I got to tell you, Chris, if Wardo was playing in this game, I would have wanted to hammer the under. But since he is out, I actually think I'm going to I'm not going to hammer it, but pardon me. I'm going to hit the over on this one because I think that both offenses are extremely good. Uh, and I think that going from Dylan Ward to Matt DeLuca, 
no shade to Matt DeLuca or their other goalie if they tried to go to somebody else. Um, but no shade to them. You're not the starter for Team Canada. Uh, that there, There's no offense to that. It's just Dylan Ward is literally an all-world goalie. So there's going to be a drop-off. Sorry. I mean, e- even Brett Dobson wasn't the starter for them. So Dylan Ward's just that good. And Brett Dobson has been absolutely showing out in this season of the PLL. So you're, you're losing that good of a goalie where I would still say the only guy who's better than him is probably Blaze. So I like the over in this one. Uh, I don't have a point total that I like in this one because uh, I, if I had to take a point total, so what I, I did take Kieran McArdle's over three and a half because he put up seven in his last outing. And he seems to be a very silent assassin type in these games. But if I had to take one that I'm really leaning towards, I'm going to go against the grain for what you normally take. And I'm going to take under three and a half for Michael Sowers because Graham Hasek has just been absolutely shutting people down on defense this year. Like that dude is a dog and a menace. And I would never want to get into a fight with that guy. I just like, if he'd look at me and be like, Hey, you want to fight? I look at him and go, you win. That that's a business, that that's a business decision right there. That is a business decision. He is not somebody to be trifled with. Fair. So, what do you have for this one? Obviously, I'm going to go with Archers because they're my team. See, that's the thing is that like I'm going to go with Dogs just because that's that's where I've been leaning since since the inception of me being a fan. That, that's fair. That's fair. I'll take it. With that said, though, I mean, archers are completely rolling right now. And I think that, you know, obviously this is a big game just based on the standings. But I think long term, looking ahead to that quarterfinals matchup, possibly getting a bye is is big. Um, I would love to know, uh, I guess, historically, how teams with buys how, with the buys have fared. Um that first round, I mean, obviously, this is assuming that both these teams continue on the trajectory that they are now. Um, but I, I'd know. have to go back and look at the playoffs to uh, to have that number for you. Because I know, like, the first year they did the playoffs, they also had, um, like, a mini tournament for the first seed instead of having all but one team make the playoffs. So, um, mm. I don't know. Well, so, I'm taking the dogs. Um, I'm going to take them plus – plus one, one and a half. Um, I don't know what to do with the over-under, mainly because, like you said, Dylan Ward's out. Um, it, it's tough to say. I mean, both these teams are – statistically, man, they are, like, basically carbon copies of each other, which is pretty wild. Um, obviously, the big drop-off is that Water Dogs face-off-wise is significantly lower, but that's skewed because they didn't dress – a face-off guy. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, another team, as you just said, punting on the face-off. This is, so I, I was going to wait for you to finish your point, but we're I'm going to jump into it since we're on it right now. This is actually going to be a really, really fun matchup to watch. Uh, unlike the Atlas and Chrome, which is going to be the garbage bowl, this is going to be unstoppable force meets immovable object in a positive way to watch. That's going to be really, really intriguing. Because the Archers right now are the most efficient offense off the 32-second shot clock from the faceoff. Uh, Sisselberger is the number two faceoff guy in the league, so he's winning a lot of them. So it's not like, you know, they only get a few and they're really efficient. No, they get a lot and they're really efficient. 
However, the Water Dogs, I believe, have the top-rated defense in the league right now, and they're really good at getting that turnover off the 32 seconds and taking it over into the offensive side of the field. So I am extremely curious to see how a highly functioning, smooth, unselfish, just whip the ball around kind of offense operates against such a high-end defense. And again, kind of a bummer that Dylan Ward isn't there uh, just as a fan's perspective, uh, because that would make this an even more intriguing matchup. Uh, But this is, that that's going to be where the game is decided. Like the Archer's defense is going to be one thing, but high, like highest efficiency offense versus highest efficiency defense, who comes out on top. That's going to be what decides this game. Well, and so with that, looking at some of the props, so point totals, Courier set at one and a half. That should be easy money. You know, because you, you know that they're going to be, the archers are going to be looking to shut down um sours they they are someone's gonna have to fill in but i think that opens up mccardle more than it does uh courier because i don't think if you look at the dogs they are actually like sneaky loaded in terms of offensive middies like jack Hanna, it doesn't have the name recognition but he is fantastic thomas mcconvey a, a rookie who scored a boatload of goals at virginia during his career ryan conrad pure scorer uh, Jake Carraway, he's probably their best deep threat with uh, Connor Kelly still coming back from injury. He is a reserve this week. Glad to hear that. Uh, but they're loaded with offensive talent. So if Courier is going to be a better option for you to kind of like, you know, initiate the offense but not really do much of the point scoring, then he, he, like he really hasn't – he's been very effective at everything he's been asked to do, but he hasn't been putting up a lot of numbers, if that makes sense. He does a lot of things that like don't show up on the stat sheet. Right. But so with that said, knowing that that dogs are basically going to have to distribute the ball as much as possible to win this game, I think, in my opinion, um, I'm taking him over one and a half points. Because once again, it's not goals, it's points. Right. Um, and then my question to you is, so Schreiber set it over three and a half at plus money. Thoughts on that? It's so hard to know because their offense is so unselfish and they move it around so much that it's really hard to know who's going to be like their high end point scorer each week. Like last game, I thought it was going to be Matt Moore. Uh, Granted, he did injure his hamstring, I believe, and he should be coming back from the injury. But, you know, you you never know. Like Shriver's always a little bit banged up. Immense always a little bit banged up. Uh, you could maybe say Mac O'Keefe is your best bet for a point total over just because he is an absolute hammer on catch and shoots. But they're so unselfish and the ball moves around so much that you almost like never know who's going to be the guy that week because they could all be the guy. I, I, like, well, the Shri- so- I, I like the Shriver over three and a half, but I'm not taking it just because I'm like, I've seen it enough where like I, it, they move it too much for me to consistently keep track of like, who's your main assist guy? Who's your main goal getter, except for O'Keefe? It, it's it's crazy. Like, I just, I, I don't know. For having so many superstar talents on the offense, it's amazing how it's like almost just a supremely egoless offense minus Connor Fields doing Connor Fields things, but I'm a noted Connor Fields hater. Well, so last question about this game, even though it is like the prime game of the weekend. Um 
given the fact I know that that Dylan Ward's out, but given the fact that these two teams could very well run into each other later in the year, is and this is more of a general question. Do you think there's any um, reservation as to what scheme we see from either team, or do you think they just go out there and they just play within themselves, both teams, or is this something where they're thinking like, hey, both these teams are, I don't want to say an automatic lock, but basically automatic lock for the playoffs and that there's a good chance that they could meet again down the line? Uh, I think that both teams are so comfortable in the sets that they run and so confident in the sets that they run that there's almost no point in kind of like masking or hiding what they do because they're both so efficient at what makes them good teams that – it, it's almost like why why would we change this up when we're just good at what we do like again we're so good at this learn how to stop us you right. know play within yourself play your scheme even, even when the other team knows what's coming they're like you still can't stop them it's, it's that sort of thing right now between these two which is why this is so perfect as the marquee game of the weekend i love it and i really wish they were matching up when they were in baltimore just so i could watch it in person uh let's move to the not just you me too, man. Well, yeah. I, we I, would be there. Yes, I know. Uh, let's move to the last game of the weekend, uh, which is more of an – I've called things a garbage bowl, the, the dog water bowl, whatever. This is the injury bowl uh, because even though Whipsnakes have gotten a, a lot of guys back from injury, uh, they are still quite banged up. Uh, so are the Chaos, even though they aren't really – they're not holding a lot of guys out, but they're they have the most – people listed on the injury report out of any matchup for this weekend. Uh, Kyle Burnlore is out for the whip snakes this weekend with the dislocated elbow. Ouch. Really hope he gets better soon. That sounds awful. Um, but that is a huge note. Uh, given the fact that chaos still have a healthy blaze Reardon. Matt Rambo is playing, which is a major cog of the offense and how it runs. Uh, Zed Williams is still a monster. Uh, chaos. You never know what you're going to get with them from week to week. But with Matt Dunn back for the Whip Snakes, it's going to be really interesting to see if Brian Minicus uh, can have just as good of a game as he did a week or two weeks ago. Uh, and also Michael Earhart's back. So again, four-time reigning long stick midfielder of the year award winner is back. I'm going under on this game. I mean, that's a safe bet with Blaze and Net, but regardless, I mean, this is – with snakes, uh, they've been able to put up a lot of goals, but they also surrender a lot of goals. So I guess we'll see what chaos does to, to kind of like stifle that possession wise because they are a very good possession team. This um, is this is the lone this is the lone twenty three and a half line of the weekend. Uh, I should also mention I'm going to take chaos on the money line, uh, but I I just think that with a healthy blaze in net. And the fact that the chaos love to experiment during the regular season, I don't know how many points they're going to put up with Phipps or whoever the other guy is on their roster uh, starting. I still think Phipps is a really, really good goalie. He's not Kyle Burnlore. Uh, I still think that if there was like a ninth team in the league that they would want somebody like Phipps to be their starter. Uh, you know, I, I, he's, he's good. He's very good. There's, there's no denying that he is a professional goalie in an 18 league. So there really isn't going to be, like a you know grand canyon type of drop off but i think blaze does enough to hold off the whip snakes offense uh because jim stagnina seems to hate everything that there is with the 32 second shot clock era and their offense has also looked 
highly inconsistent. They've just been better at scoring points than both Chrome and Atlas. Uh, I still like Chaos. I just I think this is going to be kind of a, you know, I think this is the Sunday Scaries game where you'll have it on, but you'll start doing stuff to get ready for work on Monday. I don't have to. Uh, thank God. Uh, but, you know, for most people, uh, you're going to have the game on, pay attention stuff, start getting things ready to go for uh, Monday morning. Uh, with this being a later start time at 5.30 on Sunday. I almost, even though I'm going to take Chaos, if I could move Whip Snakes to minus or plus one and a half, I would do that because I still don't think it's going to be a huge spread in this game. But I'm obviously going to go with Chaos plus one and a half since that's what the line is currently at. So you mentioned uh, Williams. Obviously, he's uh, been a big, Zed Williams has been a big part of their which thinks offense, even though they've got one win to show for it. So point total wise, he set a three and a half and he's eclipsed that over. Yeah. That should be an easy over, right? Um, There's no such thing as an easy, but over. That it's, um, that is comfortable. Hit the over. Yeah. Um, And then uh, it's funny just, you know, looking at, once again, some, some hats off here to the uh, PLL app, which I've mentioned to you. I know you, being an Android man, you can't see it. But they give like a very nice like breakdown of the, the game within the game for every every game. Lots of games there. And they considered this matchup. I thought you would appreciate this. The battle of King Kong versus Godzilla being that it is uh, uh, Newman right um, versus Williams. I'm just upset that I'm catching strays over here for having an Android. Hey, now. I mean, I'm all Apple, so. Oh, excuse me. I just, you know, right in the heart. <laughs> it's okay. With other people, I'd be getting the dagger. I know okay. plenty. For what you do in your gaming realm, you need it. That That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But still, just catching strays over here. Um, yeah, no, that, that matchup is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I also think that Rowlett, uh against, I'm assuming, Rambo will be really, really interesting to see uh, because I do believe that Rambo has a broken finger in his left hand. Rowlett is an extremely physical defenser or defenser, defenseman. He is also an incredibly heavy checker. So, like, he, he doesn't check you just to let you know he he's there. He checks you with the intent of, Hi, I'm here with a battering ram to break down your door. And having a broken finger on your hand, that whatever finger it is, it's still going to make it tough just to handle things comfortably. So that's going to be another fun one to watch uh, just to see how all that plays out. Uh, So that will actually, for me personally, uh, that's going to wrap it up on the PLL. We are running down to about a minute left here. The last note that we're going to make is officially, it's officially official. Our long national nightmare is over. My lifelong nightmare is over. Dan Snyder is officially out as the commander's owner. Josh Harris is officially in as a lifelong commander's fan, unfortunately. Uh, I can fortunately now say that I actually feel good about watching my team again. Thank goodness. I don't care what happens this season. I don't care what the team's record is. No matter what, the commanders have won the NFL season just because Dan Snyder is finally gone. Congrats, Sean. And And good riddance to him. Yes. And on that happy note, because it's actually a happy note, 
Uh, we will wrap things up, call a day. Uh, thank you to everyone, as always, for listening. We will see y'all next time.